Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Our God and our Father, eternal rock of ages, Elohim El Shaddai, we give you all the glory, O God, we honour you. We thank you for this time that you have made. For this is the day that the Lord has made and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Father, we thank you, O God, for this time. We thank you for the privilege of your word. So many people are in need of the word of God. But Lord, thank you for bringing us at your table, O God, to be able to feed on your word. Father, we pray in today's word, Lord, you will have your way. Lord, we pray that the word of God will come alive, O God, in the name of Jesus Father, we pray you will speak the word of life upon every heart, O God, in the name of Jesus. He said, those are the words fell on a fertile ground in their hearts. He said, they receive the word with joy. Father, we pray in today's word, O God, the grace to receive with joy and for the word to be settled in our spirit. Father, you will grant unto us, O God. Father, we pray we will not go back the same way. In Jesus' most precious name, we pray. Amen, amen, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us have our sit, please. Just give thanks to God Almighty um, for his faithfulness, for the grace that he has given us to be able to gather. You know, I always say this, I don't believe that the Lord will allow us to gather in vain. And for every service, I believe that God has a plan and an intention that ought to be established. And we just pray that in today's service that your will will be done. In Jesus' name. Um, we'll just carry on on stewardship. I know we started last week um, and Pastor laid a lot of foundation on this and we talked about um, our labor of love. And basically we had um, the classification of a hired servant, a hired steward, a laborer and a, ch- a child of God and how we labor as children of God. And also, you know, we established that the culture of the kingdom of God is that we labor. So there is that as standard being that we labor. But today we're going to look at stewardship, faithfulness in kingdom service. Faithfulness in kingdom service. And as we just go on, I pray that God will give us understanding beyond what I can even say in Jesus' name. You know, we're going to start this way. When we read our Lord's prayer, it starts by saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he said, your will be done. He said, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, this is a promise that the Lord has made. And he said, as it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. So that means the will of God is already established in heaven. Now, for the will of God to be established on earth, it has to be done through stewards. The will of God... Sadly, we are competing with the devil because the devil has also been thrown down to this earth. And so, it's either the will of the devil or the kingdom of the devil prevails or the kingdom of God prevails. Now, for the kingdom of God to prevail, it's left to us stewards to ensure that the kingdom of God prevails. And many times, it's so important as Christians, and I always say this, is that it's it's so important that we continue to pursue knowing the will of God. It's like a company. When you work for a company and you don't even know what the action plan is, 
you don't know what the objectives are. You're basically just there going, going, going out. You don't know what the values of the company that you work for are. And so, sadly, even many of these companies, when they have action plans and objectives, they expect every employee to put, contribute to ensure that that action plan is materializes. And so also that's the way the kingdom of God is. That is the way the kingdom of God is. But we're also going to look more into what it means to be a true and faithful steward of God. And this means that we must understand that we operate from the kingdom of God. See, there's no point. <laughs> is that that see? The word steward is very general. So when you say that you're a steward, what are you, what, what, whose side are you on? It's also important that we understand that we are operating under a covenant. Generally, when, and I'm going to give, an, I'm going to give many, few ex examples and explanations so that we can really understand what I'm trying to say. In a country, usually you have constitution. And that constitution is there to actually govern the country. It's that framework that you have, so you're, you're allowed to work within that framework. And also, what that constitution does is it, it gives rights and responsibilities to citizens. That constitution is also there to protect us as citizens. Similarly, is the covenant of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates under the covenant of God. And from the Old Testament, we know that God started the covenant with Adam. We have the Adamic covenant and it goes on. But now we operate under the new covenant. And so what that means is, is that because we know that I am not, see under the old covenant, the difference there is you're working so hard because this is only your word that can justify you. But the difference now is as stewards in the new covenant, as pastor, I don't, I don't know if you, or we, 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 I don't know if pastor mentioned it, but I know that I've always known this, is that, you know, you're operating as a bond servant. Meaning that your debts are already paid. So you're not, you're not stewarding as someone who wants to pay a debt. Or as a slave who is only working to see that, you know, God, let me just give struggle so that at least you can have pity on me. Or you can have mercy on me. No, you're stewarding because the price has already been paid for. And so that is the difference between operating under the new covenant. And what that means, and that's why I was very particular, is that what it means is that you're also operating under the authority of that kingdom, the kingdom that you represent. And when we read the book of Colossians, it says that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness from the dominion, from the hold. So the hold of darkness that on a normal day would hold me back from being a faithful servant before God. It's saying, you know, I have been translated, so I have no excuse. Is that I have not been brought on us into the kingdom of the Son. He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Operating under the new covenant. So that means a faithful steward is expected to stay in alignment with the covenant. 
When we read the book of Psalms 103, I'm just going to rush through that. It said, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. So the love of God is with those who obey his commands, who obey his precepts. And so I'm going to leave that there. Going into what kingdom service is. Kingdom service is serving God and serving his interest. So, you know, some people you can you can say I'm I'm serving God by ensuring that you're very you're available at every service, you're giving your money to serve God, you're giving your time, your resources. But all that you're doing is not in the interest of God. So to serve a kingdom service is being aware of the kingdom and serving the one who is in control of that kingdom is interest as well as using and maximizing the resources, the time, the strength, all that he has given to ensure that that agenda is pushed forward. That is what a kingdom service is. Now the primary understanding that we must have as one who is working in the kingdom and this is something that I can say that is, is going to, it's changed my life from the time that God revealed it to me. Just knowing it alone, I'm like, wow, I never saw it this way. It's understanding. See, the, there has to be a clear understanding of ownership. I'm going to explain to you. A steward, when we look at the dictionary, a steward is someone who manages. He manages another person's property or assets. And, you know, you're there to your, your caretaker. That's who a steward is. So that means the steward is not the owner. The steward is there to manage. Now, what I understood from this is that the moment that you understand that God is the owner, I am there to manage. So what he has done is entrust unto me all that I need. He's saying, and this is why I want you to understand it. Meaning that even your life. You know, there's so many people that would say that, just leave me alone, it's my life. It is not your life. The reason why a lot of people have conflicts, where there is a question of did God speak or did God not speak, is like trying to have ownership of someone or something. The reason why you're not using your time wisely is because you believe it is my time. The reason why you would tell your husband or your wife to leave a job or to... See, some people are taking their partners as their property. So they'll say, I earn my wife, I earn my husband. Whatever I want them to do is what they do. So they'll tell you, I don't want you to go to that church anymore. I don't want you to have that friend anymore. I want you to deny your family. I want... Because they believe they own that person. A lot of parents believe, I gave birth to this child. I own you. 
not a job. And God is saying, I am saying I want you to be steward, to be a steward in that area, in that industry. But your parent is saying, no, 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 no. Huh. What was that fashion? How much do you want to sell top? Your parents, and they will push you. The reason why your parent will push you to do something else is because they have forgotten to ask the owner. Their role is to manage. But there is a mixture, there is, there is a misunderstanding in understanding your role as a steward. So the number one key thing is understanding your role. You cannot work for a company and you want to act as a CEO when you're a junior staff. Because you know your role. And that's why they will give you your role description even before you apply for the job. So you know that, okay, I am going into this job to do this particular role. For instance, I work for an investment bank and they, 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 they provide asset management and wealth management services. And what people do is sometimes they have corporations that are actually their clients, but they have individuals that are very wealthy as well. They're, they're their clients. And what they do is, they, I might not know how to manage my resources well. So I will take you to the investment bank and say, I want to appoint you as my custodian. So I know that as a custodian, what I am doing is to man, I am not the owner of this property. It is not my asset. I am just there to ensure that the interest rises to ensure that there are no losses. So in that, so as someone who is a custodian, you have a fiduciary responsibility to act in that person's best interest. So as a steward in the kingdom, you have God's best interest at heart. Because all that you're thinking of is, okay, you have put me in this job. You're the owner of this job. It is not my job. What do we do? Okay, owner, what do you want me to do? And then you get that full guidance. Because all you're thinking about is what is in God's best interest, not what is in my interest, because it is not about your interest. See, those, the, the banks that, the investment bank, what they will do is, they, they have their own either fixed price or salaries that they get, or sometimes um, the more the revenue or the increase, the more money they're given. So you're going to be paid for your own job. Meaning, you're not seeking something as the owner to say, no, I just want my own benefit out of this. God will forgive me after. No, you're because God will pay you. He hasn't even already paid, if you were to think of it. Because just the idea of knowing that I'm going to heaven after I did nothing, it's enough. It's, it's a debt that I will forever pay. Even Psalm 24 tells us, it said, the earth is the Lord's. It's like we, we read Psalm. Psalm 24 is every CNS Psalm. But it's saying, and everything in it Another question said, and everyone who dwells, meaning us dwelling in, in this world, it is the Lord's. The chair is the Lord's. Everything in it. 
28. It says, the gold, the silver and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Meaning all the wealth, everything I have in my savings account, and it is the Lord's. The reason why you will struggle as a steward is when you begin to blur the lines of your role and interchanging as an owner and as a manager. Because that is where you begin to feed yourself with ideas that God, and that's why you can argue with God. Where have you heard where you're arguing with the owner, you're asked to do a job and you're arguing with the person that owns the, the, the property. You do what they say. You follow specific instructions. And so, understanding this, see, the desire to own so until I, I really understand, just understanding this alone. Uh, maybe that's why I've probably not been able to sleep this past two days because I've not been able to sleep properly. It's just thinking in my heart. So that means when I sit down and spend hours on Netflix, I am actually not. I'm wasting the time. I, I, I am not acting in the owner's best interest. Because I actually want to just enjoy my own time. This is my place. This is my time. I want to eat with a movie. But God is saying, no, no, no. Because you, you think, it's because you think it is your time. That is why you say, please leave me, let me spend my time however I want to. The reason why you will not give your 100%, we're going to even go into the job area. The reason why you will not give your 100% in the job. The reason why, <laughs> the reason why you will play YouTube, leave your laptop so that they can see that you're still on Teams and go to, go to wherever you're going for two hours or three hours. It's because you think it is my job. I'm just, the, the employer is God. So the reason why, and it, it, it makes total sense that the reason why we do so many things is because we're still not, we've still not gotten to a point of understanding. You're managing. You're managing. And so the desire to own, it changes the dynamics in how you relate to what God has given, to the resources, to the gifts, to the talents. The way you relate to what God has deposited is it, 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 determined by how you understand what your role is. First Corinthians. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Meaning, even your body, who you are from God, and you are not your, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, even in our glorification. And even to the point of even take, not, not extreme now, taking care of your body. You know that you're weak, you're tired, you're stressed. God is saying, it is my body. So that means the way I look after my body has to be what it, what, the way that the owner wants me to. I'm not saying surgery. I'm saying looking. <laughs> I have to point it out because you know how some people will just twist it. It's about taking care of yourself. 
eating the right food, checking your diet. God help me, but you know, <laughs> we'll get there. Now, who is a kingdom steward? A kingdom steward is a believer who is responsible to manage all that is entrusted by God and to oversee on his behalf. When we look at the book of Exodus, we're going to move, push this forward now. The book of Exodus chapter 19. It said, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom. It is saying an association of priests. See, when we're saying, God, let your kingdom come, meaning that after all this, God is saying, well, you know, we established also that it's, it's about laboring. God is saying, I want, I want Pharaoh to just leave my people to serve me. And after they are left alone to serve me, there will then be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom steward. There will be for me kingdom stewards. Offering kingdom services. So what that means, and we're going to look at the book of Luke 12, there's quite a few, uh, a lot of scriptures to go through, but I'll try and go through them quickly. Is that a faithful steward is not consumed by self. When we read the message Bible of Luke chapter 12, 16 to 21, he said that he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I will gather in all my grain and goods. And I will say to myself, self, you have done well. You've got it made. And now you can retire. You've done enough. Now take it easy and have the time of your life. What is wrong? You see, reading this, it doesn't sound bad because poor man, he has worked. He should actually enjoy the, 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 the hard work. But what you don't understand here is that he is all about self. He is thinking about, oh, I have made this, I have done that. So he believed that the reason why I can retire is because I have, I have it is my bond. I have worked. Can we read on, please? Then just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you die, and your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. <coughs> Word. That's what happens when all you want to do is fill your life with self. Where the first thing you think about is myself. Every steward will, will, will struggle thinking about self and not feeling.
filling themselves with God. Not filling themselves with God. And we're going to look at the, our Bible reading for today as well. And I'll try to just run through and not necessarily Matthew 14 and 25, 14 to 28, but I wouldn't read everything. And now we, like, you know, this is something that, this is a scripture, that a particular parable that every Sunday school we, we were taught. The five talents, the three talents, the one talent. And so what happens is the master said, you know what, I am going on a journey and, you know, I need you to take care of this for me. Actually, the one talent that he gave that other guy, I don't even know if it's a guy or girl, but yeah. The one talent is actually worth over $1.2 million in our present day. So that means it's actually, a, like not even decent, it's a good amount of money to give to, you know, for you to invest in. And so he gave everyone their share, and the Bible said, according to their ability. So he didn't give you, he didn't give them what they couldn't handle. He said, you know what, I know this is where your strong point is, so I'll give you according to the measure of your ability. Take this, do this. Now, so this man went on a journey. Can we go on, please? And so, um, so after, when we read verse 19, it said, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Just like the Bible said that we will all at the judgment seat give account of our works as stewards. He said, so the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five and said, Master, he said, you entrusted us. You entrusted me with five bags of gold. As a custodian, this is what I have gained. Another five. So not only did I, I have now multiplied that which you have given to me. Can we read on, please? He went on and said, the other one with two, so the, 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 the master said, well done. Good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The other one with two bags came, and the same thing was said. Good and faithful servant. Can we read on, please? And then we have the one with one bag. He said, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. Yes, please. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. For me, just reading this, it says a lot about all that we've just been saying now. Is that number one, this unfaithful servant did not understand his role. He fully thought that, you know, yes, you have given me this. So what? And then secondly, all he was thinking about was himself. He's thinking, why should I work for another man? Why should I do extra hours when you're paying me this? Why should I take my time to do a research when you have the research team? So this man is thinking, why should I go out of my way? 
because all he could think of is this has nothing to do with me. The reason why some people don't care about what happens in the church is because no, it's pastor's business. I what's my own business? It's for me to come and go to go home, receive my blessing, and go home. Because all they are thinking of is why should I give my extra time and energy for this? Now let's look at the verse 26. He said his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. Because what he has just done is a, is a wicked act. And a lazy act. He says, so you knew that I have harvest where I have not sown. And gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. So he knew what he was doing. He said, nothing will come out of this. And so the master is saying, the difference is that when you put, the, when you put it in the bank, the interest that comes, although you have not necessarily gone out of your way, but you're not pulling another person down. So in that which God has given you, although you're not doing as much, but the least you can do is to ensure that that which God has given you, you're not using it to pull another person down. And you're not, you're, you're costing the owner. You know, the book of 2 Corinthians tells us about you know, giving accounts, but we're going to leave it there. This servant lacked kingdom mindset. Because he's not working as a kingdom steward. A good example is Joseph. When we look at the book of Genesis 39, 2-6. You know, Joseph worked after his brother sold him and he's, he's now at Potiphar's house. And his master, he said that, you know, when we read from that, he said God was with Joseph. He said so. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. The master did not guess. He saw. So that means there must have been a way Joseph portrayed himself. There must have been a way Joseph acted. It wasn't just because, you know, automatically God just blessed him. No, Joseph put himself in a position the values of the kingdom was at the very forefront where his master could see that truly the Lord is with him. And so he said that and that the Lord made all and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And you know this goes when I was studying for this, this goes back to even just the, the Bible study we had on Wednesday about how sometimes even when we're, we're, we're working for people or as an employee you know you're not just you're not just you're not working for that employee you're working for God and so that means in everything you do you're thinking about oh God is my employer so this is how I should act this is what I should do and so that was that was what Joseph did here 
They didn't think, you know, Potiphar, no, he doesn't know God. He said, no. He said he, he served him with everything he had. Then he made him, then that was when Potiphar said he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So Potiphar looked at the man and said, you know what? I can see how much you're putting. I can see how much you're doing in my house. The Bible said Potiphar did not even worry. I think the verse 6. He said, Pot can we go on please? When we read, Lord, he said, thus he left all, then Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. So he didn't worry about anything. Joseph, you're trustworthy enough. I give everything. Just handle it. That is a faithful servant. Can God look down from heaven and say, Lalo, just handle it. I, can leave. I leave it to you, just handle it. And truly, I will handle it. Are we, are we pursuing the mind of God to the point where God can entrust bigger responsibilities? Where he can say, I will take you to that conglomerate and I will make sure that you head that place because I know that you can deliver. You know, some people complain about how they're not growing in their job. God is scared. Because, see, the best way to say is in your He wouldn't let you put him to shame. So, because people, because when you get there, you want to portray yourself as God's own. And they're looking at you and saying, uh uh, are you for real? So, God will say, instead of me allowing you to go and disgrace me, I will leave you in this junior level. Just, just continue here. Can God entrust? And we're going to look more even in our work. Stewardship is not limited to the four walls of the church. But as we go on, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So God is a, it's a point saying it is an, it is paramount. There is no stewarding outside of being faithful. It means being faithful in everything that we do. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to stay on this a little bit. This is a scripture that we're all familiar with that says we should seek the kingdom. And like I said, this also, when I thought about it, while I was preparing, I thought to myself, so if you're telling me seek first his kingdom, that means I can seek second something else. That's what that's that's how we interpret it, isn't it? But as I was studying, God was saying to me that when I say seek first my kingdom and his righteousness, what God is saying is that when you seek my kingdom, every other thing is propelled and driven by God's kingdom. So what God is saying is, you know, some people will
take this as seek ye first the kingdom of God. I want to sit in church Monday to Sunday because I am seeking God wholeheartedly. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Go to work. Because sitting here is not you seeking me. And the example that I got was this. It is like a woman that the first thing she's seeking is she wants a big family. You know, she's always dreamed of having a big family. So she's seeking that. That's a, that's a, a, a primary objective agenda is to ensure that you know, she has as many children as possible. Every other thing she does would be on the basis of the first thing she's seeking. Meaning, if she, if she wants to get a car, she would think of getting a seven or a nine-seater. Because, you know, if I'm going to have many children, I need to ensure that they can fit in the car. Our desire to get a big house is not because she wants to show off. It's because she's seeking, she's seeking that because she knows she's going to have a big family. What that tells me is, when God is saying, seek ye first the kingdom of God, meaning when I'm seeking riches, I am seeking it from the lens of the kingdom. So, whatever I seek is driven first by the kingdom. So that means there is nothing you will be able to seek that will be outside of the kingdom. See, even when you work on a Sunday, there is a way working on the Sunday is seeking God. You're not working because you know, ah, extra hours. Well, you're, you're working because you know, God has said, I want you to work in this hospital. And I want you to impact people. And one very day they call, ah, you know, you know, there, there's no way we can cover this shit. And you can see people, vulnerable people around, and you think, you know what, if there are just two staffs here, they cannot manage. A steward will think to herself or himself, okay, God knows that, you know, I am representing the kingdom of God here. So I am going to, not be, like I said, not because I want extra hours. And you have calculated the hours and the money like me. I like to calculate. Every hour is calculation. You're not calculating. You're, you're actually seeking the kingdom of God. And saying, you know, I am going as a kingdom representative. And ensuring that everything goes according to plan. Because I am there. So every decision that even people might think, why is she doing that? It's been propelled by the kingdom. That is, that is what it means to seek you first. So it is not seeking God and saying, you know, God can see that I'm doing it in his house. Now it is time for me to treat myself. Because what that takes you back is to the idea that you are in charge and you are the owner. And so what this is saying is that it is important to have kingdom awareness. That means in every step, in every decision made, you're kingdom aware. Because all you're thinking of. See, the reason why I give my best at work and the reason why I'm the first to finish sometimes is because all I'm thinking of is I cannot afford not to give my best. Because why? I am representing. 
So the reason why you, it will be hard for you to have a whole eight hours of working, and you, it's different if you don't have anything to do. Sometimes work is very quiet. But you have lots of work to do, and you just ignore work. The reason why it will be hard is because you're, you're, you're aware. And last week, you know, Pastor also hammered on being conscious. You're being conscious. If you read the book of Romans chapter 12, it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You're not lacking in diligence. See, you're fervent in spirit. Some people, the Holy Spirit is only alive on Sunday. The only day they remember that, ah, there's something that makes me do somehow. You know, that my, my head will swell and my... It's only on Sunday when they listen to worship. At work, ah. Oh. <laughs> they know that, don't, don't cross out if you love yourself. Because they know. So the Holy Spirit is not active on, on, on Monday to Saturday. Even in their homes, their children know them. But he's saying at all times. See, somebody is diligent. You will never catch them sleep. They are forever diligent. Not lagging. Fervent. Meaning you're active in spirit. You're drafting an advice for clients and you're active in spirit. You're doing your PowerPoint and you're active in spirit. You're feeding your child. You're active in spirit. You know, sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is only limited to certain jobs. Everything you do, everything, every act, there has to be the Spirit of God pushing. And that would only happen when you're conscious that you even have a Holy Spirit. Some people don't even remember. It's not that they don't speak another word. They don't remember they have the Holy Spirit. Until Tiaraban Tobag bomb on the church. That's the only time they remember. Being conscious. And so what this is saying is that the values and the principles of God's kingdom would propel and influence the character you adopt. The lifestyle that you that you keep is propelled by the values and the principles of the kingdom. Because you're constantly thinking of this. You know, one thing that I was thinking of when when God was reminding me that even at work it's so important that you give your best. And I was saying sometimes it's hard to actually approach people at work because I've been thinking about it a lot. How can I do more at work in terms of preaching the gospel and you know telling people about the gospel? Sometimes you know the only time you even get to, to talk on teams is when you have a meeting. So you're 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 constantly sometimes constantly thinking I can do more at work. And what God was saying to me even as I was praying, and you know, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try as much as we to speak to people about God. But what God was telling me even as I was preparing is that even when you have not gotten there yet, where you can speak to people, being diligent at work, being fervent in spirit. See, the spirit of God will, see, the, the Gentiles might not know it's the spirit of God, but they will know there's something different. There was a day I was working when I was a support worker, there was a lady, she's, she's an English lady, she doesn't even she doesn't think she's never been to church. She saw me that day, and I think we we're having a conversation. And she said, and I was saying, I don't know, I just said something about, oh, at church, this and that. It was just something I was saying, and I mentioned church. 
And she was saying, wow, even before you spoke, I can tell you're a Christian. I can see a light shining through you. It, at first I was like, but the way she was so serious. She was, there's a light in you that keeps shining. I was like, oh, she's different. I didn't do anything different. But just be diligent in all that you do. The Gentiles might not know what it is, but they can identify that there's something so different about this person. And what God was telling me is that when you get to that point where they can constantly see the uniqueness of God in you, although they cannot identify you, what God it is, you are creating a breathing ground for the, for the Spirit of God to work. That was what God was telling me. God is saying, the more you keep, see, the more you keep doing things, something, in the presence of God, and even at work, the more you keep allowing the Spirit to be activated, you allow the Spirit of God to dwell in that place. By reason of consistency, the Spirit of God has a room in, that, in your work. And all of a sudden, you will just see someone who approach you one day and say, can you just tell me about, you know, what do you do differently? I was interviewing one day and someone asked me about how, you know, there's so many things that you do and you see that. And I said, it's, I, started, I started with God, although obviously you start to explain how you manage your time and stuff like that. But I threw in God. And she was like, oh, wow, that's interesting. See, when you, there are certain things where you allow God room. Some people will come and approach you and say, what is it? What, what do you do differently? That is your opportunity. Sometimes, you know, you're not bold enough to go. But because you're diligent and you have allowed the Spirit of God to soak that environment, it will give you an opportunity for someone to approach. And there, your soul. That is, you're preparing a harvest field by being diligent. It is so important that we know these things. Having eternity. You know, a steward, a kingdom steward is different from any kind of steward. Because any kind of steward is working for now. We're working for eternity. Your work that you're doing now. And that's why I said, the master came back after a long journey. He came back and said, we are, see, what you're doing now, although you will enjoy the work that you do, the enjoyment that is even in, I think sometimes because we don't know the big deal about eternity. That's why sometimes we, we cannot relate. And we feel like it's so far-fetched. They're like, you know, the kingdom of God and all this stuff. It's when you, when you allow the spirit of God to re reveal the joy of just knowing that you are going to reign with him in eternity. All that you do is so different. The joy that comes in how you work. Second Peter, chapter 1, 5 to 11. He said, in view of all of this, finish soon. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Now listen, he said, supplement your faith. So he's saying, first you have your faith. Faith is very important. Faith in God, faith in even what God has said. But he used the word supplement. You know, when they give you food supplement, you know, it's there. Sometimes, you know, you take it because 
you don't have enough iron and sometimes your 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 GP would prescribe you iron tablet or would tell you, you know, take this supplement to, you know, that your diet isn't good enough or something like that. Or sometimes you just need that extra supplement. Does not mean that you substitute that supplement for food. If you don't eat and all you take is supplement, you collapse. But it's saying that means what, what that is saying is, and also if you don't take your supplement and you're low in iron, you will be weak. Meaning everything is as important. So it says supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. Another version will say virtue, moral excellence. Not just people that speak morality. No, there is the excellence that comes with it. It said and moral excellence with knowledge, meaning you are not just there by 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 by, by default. See, if God is going to elevate you, he's saying, yes, you have the faith and the moral excellence, but you need the knowledge. There is no point being promoted into a position where you haven't got a clue. Even when you don't have a clue, sometimes God is expecting you to go and do your research. I remember when I got my job, and you know, I just had basic knowledge of Excel. And the job that I'm doing now, it entails constantly working on Excel. I had to go and go on YouTube. I started learning. I got my best friend husband to teach me. Even though I don't have enough knowledge, I went out of my way to ensure that I can keep up. So he said, if I'm going to increase you, I need you to also seek knowledge. So supplement your faith and your virtue with knowledge. He said, and knowledge with self-control. There's no point in me elevating you, putting your position, and you will scatter everything with anger. Or you can't even speak to your colleagues or subordinates at work. Because you have no self-control. He said, have self and then with patience, endurance, and then godliness. So he said, have that patience. You know, sometimes it might not work the way you want it to work. But be patient. Continue, but be patient. He said, even with godliness, let them see God in you. And also with brotherly affection, with love. So in all that we do, these are values. This is our supplement. That we ensure, you know, sometimes let it even be a memory verse that you, you think of. So before you go out of, before you, before you even act in a way that is, is not aligned to this, you think twice and you correct yourself immediately. And a very good example that we're going to end with is Daniel. I like to use Daniel so much because Daniel is just that perfect Christian. That was able to balance everything right. Now, when we look at the book of Daniel, chapter 5, from verse 7, we look at 11 to 17 and 29. Now, what happened is that the king, while they were married, having a party, the king saw a writing on the wall, as it was the hand and the writing on the wall. And so they called, he said, the king summoned enchanters, astrologers, and divine diviners and then he said um, to the to these wise men of Babylon whoever reads this writing and tells me what it is 
what it is, what it means, will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So he called all this, you know, so-called spiritual people and said, Come and interpret what it's written on this wall. Now let us read on, please. Now none of them could interpret this. And so one of the, the servants thought, I remember this man. He said, there is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods. So now they don't even know what God, and that's why he used the small g. They just know that, you know, this guy is a servant of a bigger God somewhere. He said he, is a, he has the spirit of the holy gods. In the time of your father, the other, the, 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 the other Nebuchadnezzar, he said he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. So it wasn't what Daniel had done in that very present moment. It was what he had done in the past. His diligence in the past was what paid off. So he said, I, I remember this guy from when he was with your father. And he's got so much intelligence and wisdom. And the interesting thing is, Daniel was in the midst of unbelievers. Have you ever seen Christians that will tell you, no, 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 I can't work there. There's too many, they don't, none of them, they, they don't know God. What's, what's the point? And God, Daniel was, was surrounded idol worshippers and he, he still stood out and let us look at what happened in the end can we go please so you know he no sorry the previous um yes your father king there because i appointed him chief of the magician so next person my bad he did this because daniel whom the king called betashaza was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and the ability to interpret dreams Explain riddles and solve difficult problems. He said, "Call for Daniel, and he will tell you the right what the writing means." So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, "Are you Daniel?" He said, "One of the exiles of my father, the king, brought from Judah. I have heard that the spirit of God is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom." Now he told him what he would give to him. He said, the wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read the writings and to tell me what it is, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to do this. And then he promised him, he said, if you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain. And he described all the wonderful things that he was going to do. And he said, I will make you the highest ruler in the kingdom. The third ruler, the third highest ruler, yes please. Then Daniel answered the king, watch. He said, you may keep your gift to yourself and give your reward to someone else. Can we just pause there? See, Daniel was not going to interpret the writing on the walls because of the benefit. See, the kingdom steward in Daniel was that I am doing this because I have been called to, to, to establish God's kingdom in this surrounding of unbelievers. So what I am doing is being propelled by my kingdom awareness. So I know that the owner is not the king. The owner is God. So I am making a decision to interpret the writing on the walls based on that idea. Not that Dada was being prideful. 
for. No, I don't need the gift. Even if you didn't offer me anything, I will still do it because I am a custodian of the kingdom on earth. He said, nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Please, man, let's go on. Six, I think we're going to six now. Or five. He said, and you know, I, I, so Daniel was able to do it. And nevertheless, they gave him all of this. And you know, someone who was not necessarily known because he went quiet for a bit. It was also brought to the land that where he now became the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So tell me, if, if Daniel had said, ah, bunch of unbelievers, what, 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 why should I be associating and being around these people? He will never be in a position to influence and change something. Now as the third highest ruler, Daniel can interact with the king and say, you know what, I suggest that we do this. And the king will say, makes sense. But Daniel was not going to be among the crowd and you expect the king to, the king would even know that he exists. Diligent. Daniel was probably still interpreting for small, small members and people around. And God is saying, yes, you know, the day will come. Is that Joseph, when he was interpreting dreams for people in, in, in the prison, he was diligent there until the time came for him to then go out of prison to the palace. Because he was, see, that's what the scripture we read. He said he was faithful in the little. That is what a faithful servant is. If we read um, chapter 6, please. He said, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, so now this was after Daniel was put in that position and Daniel still did not forget God. See, some people will get to that position. They were faithful up until then. And the faithfulness will now be reversed because ah, now I am in the position God has ordained me to be. So that means faithfulness going to be. But Daniel was still faithful. And the Bible said, he let, that was when other people thought, you know what, this guy is, is shining you know. What, what, what is it about you? So they conspired. He said, so Daniel went home. He, 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 he knew that, you know, they had done, they, they said that the king should make a decree that everyone should bow to the king and no one should pray to any other god. And they know that Daniel is always praying at least three times a day. So he said three times a day, Daniel, he got down on his knees. So what Daniel did was, uh, you, want, you want to come for me? That's fine. He said, he, he went upstairs to his room. He opened his window. You want to see how you will see me. So that you will know that the owner is not King Nebuchadnezzar. It is the king that reigns on in heaven. And then Daniel said, you know what? Open the window and I will pray. Yes, ma'am. He said, so the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him in lions then. That was what they wanted to, that was the intention in the first place. So, but the king had so much. The king loved Daniel. And he was so worried the king could not sleep. And the king said, he said, may your God, whom you serve, whom you serve. See, the king was aware. Daniel was, he continued to serve his God. You serve continue. May he rescue you. He didn't say, ah, may the God that gave you the idea to be able to interpret. The king had monitored Daniel and saw that he was consistent in his service. He was faithful. That is faithfulness right there. He said, so what they did was a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the dead, just like when Jesus, the tomb. They placed the stone on the tomb for Jesus. That at least you will not come out. That's the same thing they did here. They said, you know what? We'll put a big stone. 
Let him die dead. Let the lions let him eat him raw. And so the king sealed him with his own signet ring and with the rings of the nobles. Yes, ma'am. He said the king returned and, you know, he could not sleep and all of that. Now, as, the, as it was done, the king went there, hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near to them, he called Daniel in anger. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, again, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? The king even knew in his heart it would be unfair for that God not to save Daniel. Because it is because of this king, because of this God, that Daniel was put in this position. Is there any other verse aside from that? Of Daniel, yes. Daniel said, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouth of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The Lord came to Daniel's rescue. That is what being a faithful steward and keeping the kingdom in the back of your mind. I'm going to leave it there because I know the time is fast spent. I was going to go through, you know, what being a kingdom service and not partially doing it, but fully, fully doing it. We can just take the scriptures of Deuteronomy 10, 12. Is that you're, you're not partially serving God. He said with all your might, with everything that you have, that we must serve, your service must be done in spirit. And John 12, 26. John 12, 26. He said, whoever serves me must follow me. Meaning if you claim to be serving God, you're, you're constantly following Meaning before you take any step, you're constantly following God, asking God for direction. And where I am, my servant also will be. So there's no point going to places where God is not. You can enter a place and you know that there's no way the Spirit of God can be present here. It is just so rough and rowdy and there's just nothing coordinated about God there. And God is saying, if I am not there, unless I am sending you there, to go and make a change and to influence changes, you should not be found there. He said, my father, meaning he will honor the ones who serve him. There is a honor that comes with being a faithful steward. Faithfulness in kingdom services. Let us run up on our feet, please. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.